0: Thank you, Mary. Matthew chapter 27, verse 37. And they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests, also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn. in two. From top to bottom, the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened. They feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. And Right there, woof, there's a lot going on. There is an earthquake. There's a tearing of the temple, a tearing of the curtain, the paroquet in the temple that separated the presence of God from the rest. That's torn. The Spirit of God comes out. There's this earthquake. There is, there's graves that are opening. see, you see you're like your, your uncle that died 20 years ago walking down the street. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on. I mean, there's a resurrection right there in just those couple of verses is just really actually a completion foretelling of almost the entire Bible is right there in those scriptures, right? A death, a pouring out of the Holy Spirit, a resurrection of the dead. It's a lot right there. But John chapter 19 puts it slightly different. Chapter 25. John 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Now I wanted to read through that because, you know, a lot of times we just, okay, let me just read a verse from the Bible and meditate on it. Right? But there's an important element of reading longer scriptures portions of scripture and meditating on that and understanding the context of everything that is going on. And when we read this, particularly by John, there's something that is really kind of like disturbing. And it's this, who's there at the, at, at the crucifixion? His mother, Mary Magdalene, one disciple, the disciple that he loved, which is John, and I think his, uh, I think it says his aunt, right? His mother's sister. So essentially his aunt. Right? That's, all, that's all he's got. His mom, which, you know, she should be there, right? His aunt, which, okay, I'm going to support the mom. The woman, Mary Magdalene, that was like completely set free. One that he cast demons out of. And one disciple. All right, so there's four people there. It's like, whoa, where, where are the 10,000? Where are the 120? Where are the 12? They're not there. Talk about a feeling of abandonment at his darkest hour and the darkest hour of human history, because as he takes on the sins of the world, theologically speaking, what is also happening, an abandonment, not just from his family and his his, his students, but really an abandonment between he and who? The father for the first time in all of eternity. He separated from his father. Four people show up. His closest disciples. Where are they? What's going on? Well, come on. Where are they? They ran. They hid. Why did they do this? Well, really, because things got tough. Let's, let's think about this as a modern-day Christian, a modern-day disciple, the rabbi, the Messiah, The leader of the whole thing has been taken by the Romans and is suffering one of the most brutal forms of death that is imaginable. Maybe they're going to do that to me. If I'm associated with this guy. Or or maybe it's, you know what, it seems like this whole message of Jesus I'm the resurrection and the kingdom of God. All of this seems to be completely, utterly defeated. Really, it really kind of comes down to an element of false expectation. Right? The disciples, oh, I think it's very important in America. Over and over and over again, they're like, you're going to bring a physical kingdom, right? You're going to kick out the Romans, right? This is what you're going to do. You're going to bring forth an element of independence and liberation in a physical way. And he continually is like, no, I'm not. But now when he's taken upon the cross, they're like, man, surely our expectation that a liberation from Roman authority and the coming of a Davidic kingdom, a freedom for Israel, a physical manifestation of God's kingdom on planet Earth is not happening now. Failed expectation. Now, what's going on here, really, is that in the, in, 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 in the, in the spirit, they're not seeing the right thing. See, the disciples that run, the disciples that hide, the disciples that had the failed expectation, they could only see with natural eyes and not the spiritual. I feel like how many of us are doing that at times? But it's very interesting, though, because Jesus even forewarns them in Mark chapter 8, verse 18. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? It's in a context of miracles that Jesus has performed, and now they're doubting him. They're like, wait, you don't remember what happened last week? Like, it's kind of like, what, you don't remember Lazarus being raised from the dead, and now you're getting Spooked? There's an element of failed expectation. Where are you, God? Where are you, Messiah? You're not playing by the rule book, and you're not playing by the story that I thought was the narrative. Right? It's not. Well, the, the thing here is there is something that is happening, and there is something that is happening in the spiritual realm. Right? And here it is. Let's hit play, please.
1: For the redemption of rebels His wealth to welcome the outcast Jesus is that king
0: The king of glory Son of the living God Not just another king Not just another prophet Not just another teacher He was the one the world had been waiting for The one to deliver us from captivity
1: The son of David and Abraham's chosen seed He is the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh, in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule, to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth and the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist. He is the Father's Son, substitute for our sins. More
0: loving, more holy, and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus, and there is no See, they don't see all of that. They don't see that all of heaven and all of earth and all of hell is watching with bated breath. Is he going to do what he's called to do? They don't see that this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 53. They don't see that this is the fulfillment that one day a seed of Adam would crush the head of the serpent. They don't see that all of eternity has been waiting for the moment that the reconciliation between God and man could come only by God's right hand because none, no one would be worthy. See, mankind has a problem. We only see what we want to see. The disciples want to see a liberation from Rome. They don't understand that the most amazing liberation on planet earth and in the history of mankind is happening right before their eyes and they have front row seat. But what is really happening here is John 19 verse 30. I purposely stopped at verse 29. It is probably one of the most under Understood or misunderstood or simply not looked at portions of scripture. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. This is what's happening in the spiritual realm. This is what's happening on Good Friday. It is finished. Well, we take a look at this one portion of a verse. And if we break it down, and we get down to one word. How easily we overlook it. it. Two letters just thrown in the middle of the Gospels. It. Like something's finished. What's finished? It. it. A, a noun, a subject, an object. It is so much and it's all finished. It's finished today, people. But we need to unpack and we need to understand what is the it. The it is the power of sin and the separation that it brings. It is finished. It's over. Come on. Now we as New Testament believers, we need to understand that. I am no longer separated from my Father because it is finished. Come on. The divine destiny of all the cosmos at the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. That is complete. The eternal question, right? That beckons from the garden of Eden. is not right. Not, not where are you God. We know that when, when Adam sinned. Adam never had to go out and ask where God is. What is that eternal question that is finished here. God recites unto Adam. Adam where are you? Adam is now back. Adam has been revisited. The garden has been revisited. Fellowship due to the atonement. Fellowship with the Father due to the atonement. There's no longer sin. There's no longer guilt. There's no longer the old way. But you see, what happens here is, this this has to be understood, not just in the broad theological terms, but actually in the day-to-day. And I need you to understand this right here. We need to reclaim that phrase again. It is finished. It theologically has occurred, but in the day-to-day, the serpent tries to redefine the it. Yeah, that's it. Too often, the serpent of old tries to define the word it in different ways. You'll, you, you, no, 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 no. Jesus didn't do all of this. Come on, how easy it is to, to hear the serpent's lie. Well, Jesus did this in theological terms, and fine, you'll, you'll, you'll go to heaven and everything, but, you know, you're really not good enough to, 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 to come into his presence now. Or even worse, you know, you, you, you are, you're not deserving of the it. Like, that it was for all these other people. The it is for, you know, really good people, not you at the bottom of the barrel, Or it, salvation only. You're saved and that's it. That's the the lie of the serpent. No, when it is finished, there is a restoration of what we had access to in the garden. When Jesus says it is finished and he gives up his spirit, the it of being finished is the separation and not having the Holy Spirit. It's, it's living the ineffectual life. And this is what Satan wants to get into her mind. No, it is finished. You'll get into the pearly white gates. But you know, you're not supposed to have any effectual life on planet Earth. You see, he starts to speak and he says, Nah, 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 you will always, always still have to deal with sin. No, people, it is finished means all of the old ways of man is over. It's over. Now Satan is going to say, yeah, but you know, you'll still get disease and you'll pray and you won't get healed. Sometimes that does happen. But the it that is finished is death, is illness, is all of this. He says it in his word. Ye of little faith, Lord, how come we do not see healing? He says, oh, you have to have a little more faith. And we're all arriving. But this plague, man, where it's like, you can get into pearly white gates, you're saved. But not all of the it. You're still going to have sin rule your body. You're still going to have sin rule your mind. Everything's finished but that. No, it says it, Satan. He gave up his spirit and he says, it is finished. All of the works of sin and death. And what was the effect of the first sin is continued sin. But that's all finished. Romans 6. But we have to get it in our mind. Romans 6, chapter 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You guys got to read this because it's going to light you up. Because I'm right now I'm speaking against the lie of the serpent that says everything is good except... The cross did everything except deliver you from sin right now. right? That's what he's going to say to you. You're in the pearly white gates, but you're still going to sin. I'm sorry, that's not what my Jesus said. He says, it is finished. All of the works of the enemy are over. Romans 6, man, I'm going to read this, chapter uh, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin... Live any longer in it. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, we're also baptized into his death. Come on, who wants to be baptized in his death? We like being baptized in his likeness, but I'm trying to learn, I want to be baptized into your death. Because through the death, is a resurrection. And through the death, there is the atoning work of sin. Yes, it's already been forgiven by him. But can we walk out our lives without dealing with sin? What does Paul say? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's being very sarcastic. Romans, oh, you're saying sin's really hard to get through. So what? All right, we'll just continue to sin so that grace can be stronger. I've heard that theology. You ever heard that theology about people? Yeah, it's like, oh, well, you know, there's grace, so we just keep sinning. No, Paul says, I want to know and be baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism to death. Yes. Do you hear this? Because of today and Good Friday, what do we have? We are buried into his death. Our old flesh, our old mind, our old ways of doing things are to be dead, buried in his death. So we can be resurrected. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death just that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Gee, this is, this is I know it's like kind of a poetic language here, but it, he's being so systematic. If we are likened to be in his death, then therefore the natural outcome should be that we are likened into his image of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, Can we all say that out loud? Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. This is not just, I am freed from sin, so now I have eternal life. That's what Satan wants to say. What the it is, no, you've been freed from sin tomorrow when you wake up. You can live a life now of not being entangled in sin if your life has been buried with him. And so really, guys, what we have here is that's a lot of it. But there's, there's a full story. There's a full story to all of this. Because in Jesus' life, before there was a resurrection, there needed to be a death. And before we are resurrected into a new being, and I don't mean in the second coming. I mean tomorrow when you wake up in the morning. Before we get resurrected into a new creation daily where we are no longer living by the entanglement of sin, we need to die first. That's the Easter story, man. It's not Easter. It's the resurrection. It's the story of the resurrection of Jesus and the continuation that because of his resurrection, if I am buried in him, I could be resurrected in him in a new creation. Because it is finished, which means all the entanglements of sin can be over if you believe it and not listen to the lie of the serpent. That's it. But a common theology is, oh, brother, you're just going to struggle as a man because you're a man. That's how God has made man. And sister, you're just going to struggle with anxiety and fear because that's how women have been made. No, that's how the serpent made it. But it is finished. We need to bring that on to our mind and say, look, it has been finished. But the only way we can see the end of the story is if we first lay down our lives so he can raise it up again. Just like he did. And so guys, yes, today is good fr- I'm sorry, today is not Good Friday. Today is Resurrection Sunday. Like, I mean, it's like a typical good message for Good Friday. But guys, you can't have a resurrection without a death. But today is the story of the resurrection. So what do I do with this? Good Friday, Jesus defeated sin. Resurrection Sunday, he defeated death. Okay, on Friday, he doesn't defeat death, he defeats sin. But today, he defeats death. Now, how does this all happen, right? The wages of sin is death, Paul says. And so when he's on the cross receiving the sins of man, he must die because that is the penalty of sin. But Jesus takes on the sins of the world and dies. But this is the power of it. This is the power of it. But because Jesus chose to lay down his life, he was able to get it raised up again. Mary, if you can come on the keys, please. I want you to get this. Jesus willingly chose to go on the cross. What is this? This is Jesus willingly to choosing a death. He's the son of God. Did they not taunt him? Well, you you can come on down. You can be freed from all this. He says, look, if if I wanted to, my father would send down a legion of angels. He chose to die. And because he chose to die, he was allowed to be resurrected. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. And if you're here and you're born again, you will be resurrected. But what I'm saying here is the full story of this is this. Do you want to see resurrection power of all of the old Adam finished today? I want you. I want to see a glimmer of that on this side of eternity. If you want to see that, you have to be like Jesus. What did he do? He chose to die. He chose to die. I think it's a very powerful message that Jesus is teaching us through all of this. It's more than the pearly white gates. It is, how are you going to live your life tomorrow when you wake up? Before the earthquake and graves opened, there needed to be a death. Before the earthquake and graves opened, there needed to be a death. Before the defeat of sin and death, there needed to be a crucifixion. Before an empty tomb, he needed to carry the cross. In short, before resurrection, there needs to be a death. To be resurrected into a new life, we must die. We must die to the flesh. This is like a, this, this a mature message. This isn't like, hey, you came here on Resurrection Sunday, get saved, and this is how you have eternal life. Come on. Most people know, know that kind of rhetoric. If, if, if you live anywhere in the United States, you usually have some of that. I am talking about, man, I want to see the resurrection. I want to see the life before I have a death into heaven. And Jesus gives us a protocol for it. You have to choose to die in order to see that resurrection power in your life. But we're not going to do it if we listen to the lie of the enemy that says, ah, all of it has been finished except this, except it. John chapter 12. Jesus puts it this way. We, well, a lot of us know this one. Most assuredly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies... Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. He says, I am the resurrection of the life. Abide in me. To abide in him is to, yes, abide in love. I know that's, that's kind of cute and awesome, but to abide in him is to abide in his death To abide in his resurrection. Does not Paul say I wish and I desire. That I would know the fellowship of his sufferings. I would know the power of his crucifixion. It's a laying down of the life. It's a laying down of the life. And so I believe. That the big C church. Needs to get back on the cross again. Because we have taken ourselves off of it. This is, this is a radical, radical message of Jesus. Put yourself on the cross daily. I know, but I, 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 I have a good career, and I have a good family, and I have good things going on, so I can get off of the cross. Because things are going okay. Jesus says, no, get back on the cross. It's like, really? There's been a redemption. I've been set free. I know, get back up on the cross. What? What? yes so you can live a life so that you can live a life of death so that you can live a life of burying the old Adam so each and every day you can be resurrected into his likeness that's the gospel that's the gospel of Jesus Christ ain't no grave is gonna hold me down but I need to choose to put myself in the grave I'm going to choose to put my old Adam down because it is finished. The old ways of sin and the old carnal manner of me is dead. Is dead. Now you see some of the old revivalists got this. Man, there's been a lot of talk, there's been a, little, a lot of talk recently with all the things that are going on on planet earth of when will, when shall the Lord return? He's going to return with a trumpet blast. And when will that day be? I don't know. And neither did Jonathan Edwards. But when Jonathan Edwards was asked, if you knew the Lord's return was coming tomorrow, how, what would you do today differently? And he pauses and he said, well, I would do nothing different. I wake up in the morning have my breakfast. I would pray before the Lord. I would read the scriptures and then I would go out to the streets and I would share the gospel like I do every single day. That's a life of death. Could we say Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Would we be living our lives any different? People say of course we would. But the beautiful thing of Edwards is saying I wouldn't live my life for anything different because I'm already living like it would be now living a life of consecration, living a life of death, putting away the sin because the trumpet blast is coming. But more than that, but because he says, it is finished. All the old way. It's all gone. We just need to receive that in Jesus' name. Amen? Charles Spurgeon, another fire guy, puts it this way. There are no crown wearers in heaven who are not cross bearers here below. Woo! Who wants to receive a crown that we're going to cast at the feet of Jesus? Spurgeon says you don't get a crown if you don't bear a cross. So many of us on earth we want the crown but we don't want the cross. But Jesus is saying you take the cross. You need to choose a life of sanctification. You need to choose a life of death and put yourself into the spiritual belly of the earth so that you can be resurrected into the likeness of the Lamb. Because it oh it is finished people come on we can't listen to the lie of the enemy that the gospel is the gospel of salvation salvation only oh no oh no he has given it all he tore the curtain in the temple the holy ghost is inside of us we've been given a commission to lay hands on the sick and see them healed to go and preach the true gospel throughout the whole land and to live consecrated lives to say I'm being transformed in the image of my Savior daily until I see Him from glory to glory until I see Him face to face. The enemy. Oh, that's too much. That's too much for you to bear. Isn't it? trying hard. Isn't that too much to bear? I mean sin is the natural part of man. It's a natural part of a woman. I mean it's just too much to bear. That cross is too much to bear. Get behind the say, for it is finished. In closing, why don't we stand? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 puts it in a very interesting way. I want to encourage you with this as we wake up tomorrow, when we wake up and it's the first day after our resurrection. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. I know we're coming to the end of of the sermon. I know we're thinking about your ham dinner. And I know we just stood up, but I want you to hear these words. But, Paul says, but you have not so learned Christ. This, these are believers. Paul says you haven't learned Christ. My response to the Lord today is I want to learn Christ. When I wake up tomorrow I want to learn Christ. And next week, I want to learn Christ. When I get in an argument with my wife, I want to learn Christ. And when the bill comes in that can't be paid, I want to learn Christ. And when a family member gets a terminal disease, I want to learn Christ. When I want to have a daughter, God forbid, that's pursuing the different lanes of life instead of the ways of the cross, I want to learn Christ. When I take my last breath, I want to learn Christ. Paul the Apostle says you have not learned Christ he's talking to a church you haven't learned Christ Well, how do I know if I haven't learned Christ, Paul? He says in verse 21, If you indeed have heard Him, and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, and that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt, according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What is he saying here? You have not learned Christ, if you are still walking in your former conduct. Come on. If you're still addicted to the drug, if you're still addicted to the drink, you're still putting on the old conduct. If you're still addicted to the promiscuous image that's on television or on the billboard or in the magazine, you're conducting yourself in the former ways of lust. If you're worried, and full of anxiety because of things, and I get it, because I deal with some anxiety myself, but if you're dealing with that, we're still living in the conduct of our past life but Jesus says or rather Paul says you need to learn Christ I got to learn him what is the what is the learning of Christ It's, my life is not my own. I am a bondservant of Him. He has control and ownership over me. He's the one that's going to pay the bill. He's the one that's going to heal this disease. He's the one that's going to figure it all out. Because my life is not my own. Who owns my life? Jesus. And if He owns the life, He's responsible for it. But we got to learn Christ. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Interesting. We put on the new man. See there's an action. This isn't like I just got the new man when I wake up today. You got to put him on. You got to put him on. How do we put him on? The old way is finished. I need to get that in my head. How do you get in your head when you learn Christ? And when the enemy comes to you again, how do you get it, how how do you lay it back down again? You have to learn Christ. you got to bring it in. It is finished people. That is a place of rejoicing. It's not some far away thing that once you die at 95 years old or 100 years old, you now go into the pearly white gates. That's how Satan keeps an ineffectual church. What is finished is that I get to live my life now on fire by the power of the gospel. Sharing the word. Baptizing people. Going against the hordes of hell. Being more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Being molded into the image. That we get to receive all, all heavenly spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, it says in Ephesians. If it is finished, that means all of your junk Come on. I'm telling you. It's time to get free in the house of the Lord. It's time to learn Christ. It's time to put on the new man. Amen? But to get out of the grave, you got to first die. Everyone wants a resurrection, but no one wants to die. Oh, I do. Oh, I want to die. I want to die daily. I want to die in the moment. And I just want to put on Christ it is finished and that is the reason for rejoicing for the tomb has been sent away and there has been a resurrection power that allows you not just to be saved but for you to walk as he walked for you to do even greater things than he has done the word says but I need to put on Christ Oh, I need to put on Christ. I need to learn Him. I need to know the fellowship of the sufferings. I need to lay down my life. I need to pick up the cross so that I can see a death, so that I can see a resurrection power. Come on, who wants that in this house? Raise your hand. Just give the Lord a shout or something. I'm feeling the ghost. Come on, ain't no grave is going to hold my body down. But I am going to put myself in that grave in the spirit. I want to put myself into the grave. When the world wants to take me off the cross, and when the serpent of the enemy wants to take me on the cross, I want to say get behind me, put me back up there. I just want to be on the cross in a spiritual sense. I want to learn Christ. I want to learn Christ. I want to know the power of death and the power of the resurrection. Yes, Satan, Satan, you have no power. You have no power. It is finished. It is finished. The ways of death over. The carnality of Adam is gone. Things which are pure, those things which are righteous and holy.
1: When I Hey, Graham. I hold my body now. my body down.
0: We have some guests here we get a little rowdy so if you have to get going there is no disrespect we totally understand but we're going to just stay here for a moment for those that want to or can and i just want to invite people to come down and get set free on resurrection sunday come on if you're dealing with something and you're like man i need to learn christ if you're like I need to learn the power of death and see the manifestation of the resurrection. If you've had the serpent lie to you and say that some of it is finished and not all of it, you need to come on down you need to get set free right now. What a day to be set free in order to the resurrection. Have a wonderful week. Come on down if you want some prayer. If you want to learn Christ, to know the fellowship of His sufferings, To know death so that you can see a resurrection in your life. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you Wednesday. tell you what if you want to learn Christ you're probably going to have a lot of opportunities today to do so because you're going to go and hang out with your family and there ever was an opportunity to learn Christ to learn death and resurrection is that right yeah you know come on well you know us in leadership we have things to do and family to be with so no one feels the need to get free from anything. I guess we will end service. Come on. Here we go. Let's get free. So we will end service. We're going to pray for our sister here.